0: Hey everyone, it's Megan Bowen, and you are listening to the Unwritten Playbook podcast, where we showcase how smart and interesting people are breaking away from how things have always been done and charting a new path. We will explore topics ranging from marketing, sales, customer success, and also personal development and leadership themes. Join us to learn from pioneers who are paving the way for what the future brings. Welcome to the Unwritten Playbook, where we talk to interesting people who are rejecting a status quo and paving a new way really excited for my guest today. Um, I've been following her on LinkedIn for a while. We just had an <laughs> opportunity to meet today, but I feel like I've already known her longer than uh, 30 minutes. <laughs> uh, Christine Rogers, president and COO at Aspireship. Welcome to the show, Christine. Thank you for oh my being gosh. here.
1: Thank you for having me. This is so much fun. I, yeah, I've been fangirling all, all for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> as well with all your content and everything that you guys yeah. are doing. So it's been, it's, it's awesome. This is a delight.
0: Yeah. And I'm super excited to get into the topic today that we were uh, just discussing. Um, it's going to be, I think, a really good one to unpack and talk through together. But before we get into that, I'd love for you to share more of your story. So tell me more about who you are, what you've done and why we should care. <laughs>
1: So I think probably one of the most interesting things is I've had just a very non-traditional career. Um, you know, I've always been in sales in some regard, you know, whether it was selling insurance, I owned my own business. So I really felt that entrepreneurial like spark and passion and um, and then experienced tremendous failure through that, that, you know, where it, it did not work for me. And so I've had a like, just a varied experience through my career. And it has not been um, linear at all. So um, got into then tech selling in my first uh, startup after um, having to close my business and being just devastated by kind of losing that dream. Um, and I know one of the pieces of this that was that I think is interesting and notable is through all of these movements, You know, I am also married, happily married and have... To children, and so was always having to figure these things out while having small kids. So um, lost my business, moved into technology, and just started as a sales rep. You know, in a SaaS company, my first software company, and quickly started understanding and seeing that there were (laughs) different things that I had learned from all of these past experiences that could be applied here around process and technology and different things where I didn't actually put it together until I could see it kind of stepping back and looking at this organizational um, structure that was moving super fast in a high growth environment and needed some foundational layers. So took, um, a, a few different roles within that company at um, that time was named Infusionsoft mm-hmm. and was kind of a marketing automation tool and a CRM for small businesses. And then um, actually took what I think probably most would consider to be a step back. Um, I had the VP of sales at that time say, I have two roles that I need done. I need an enablement role, which i he explained it and it sounded horrible and boring. And then, um, and then he said, or I need an executive assistant. And the way he was thinking about it was more, he said, the strategic think partner, I'm really analytical and I'm not seeing the people side to things. And so, um, ended up taking the executive assistant role, very nervous that that was going to push me back, but he guaranteed me that he wouldn't. And he would teach me everything I needed to know. And as I did that ended up building an enablement team and I told him years later, like you've made it sound terrible. (laughs) It was actually really amazing. You know, this was like so great and so cool. And so, um, so important for the business, you know, efficiency and optimization. So learned so many things there at that point. um, Shortly thereafter that ended up taking over the direct sales floor and carrying the revenue target for the, the inside sales org there. And, you know, moved from there to a VP of sales role at another company called Booker that was acquired later by my body. So, um, you know, have moved around a little bit through that in that sales org and now, I'm at Aspireship. And the reason I am is because systemically, we believe that there's a constant um, issue with having really great people be able to get into organizations and do selling without you know this quote experience and bullet points. Oh, everybody has to start somewhere. I mean, I, I did, we all mm-hmm. did, right? Yeah. And often we get kind of deemed for not being able to do that. So what we do is we offer a foundational course for free for people to learn how to do fast selling. And if they can prove competency through it, then we will actually help them and place them with companies that are in alignment with our philosophy that don't believe that you have to have experience, but believe in meritocracy and that Mm -hmm. with um, competency and character, that those are the things that actually build good, strong fast selling and selling employees. So that's what we're doing here at Aspireship. That's kind of a long and short But I think, uh, I think it, it lends itself to, I have a very, a very different perspective on a lot of things because I have been through both the small business um, insurance where it's like, you know, just all about price Mm -hmm. and then also building and creating and optimizing in larger organizations as well.
0: Yeah, your experience is impressive, and I completely agree. I think being exposed to a lot of different types of businesses, different roles, kind of mm-hmm. having success and failure, highs and lows, um, it, it by the time you get to this point in your career, it's so beneficial. You've so many things that you can pull from, and I think it just really helps round out the right view. And um, yeah, I think thanks for for sharing all of that. It's really yeah. awesome, and love what you guys are doing at Aspireship. And I think the topic we're going to get into sort of also resonates with like your guys's mission and vision at the company and. Mm-hmm. And all of the good work that you're trying to do. So, mm-hmm. here, help me set the table for the <laughs> the, the conversation today. Um, tell me what is the status quo you reject, and why do you reject it?
1: I reject the idea that in business, it's all about the win lose that in order for us to be successful, there's got to be a loser. And, um, you and I were talking before we are both very competitive people. So, um, and we, I love making money. (laughs) So These are are not, um, this does not mean that those things are not true, but this idea, you know, that, um, when you think about it, we are consistently hearing things that are very, um, warlike in metaphors, you know, we are going to dominate and we are going to crush and we are <laughs> going to obliterate and we're going to do all of these different things, which is really the notion that in order for me to be successful, in order for my business to work, somebody or lots of someones are going to have to fail. And I completely reject that. And I also reject it for this for the the thought around most of the people that are talking about scarcity or talking about abundance in a way in business, most of them in my opinion, are selling that concept. So maybe I wrote a book about abundance in business or I did Mm -hmm. this or I did that. But like my girlfriend and I were talking the other day, she has a restoration business. And I'm like, I would love to hear from you how you are doing it, how you're having an abundant mindset in business Mm -hmm. in a restoration business. How does that show up for you? And she's like, this is how it shows up for me. That's the conversation I'm into and why I think that this is absolutely possible.
0: Yeah, I love that. I'm I've always been a big believer in just sort of, you know, looking for win-win outcomes, yes. um, at the abundance mindset. Like there is enough to go around for everyone, yeah. everyone to win. Um, and with that though, it's true, like mm-hmm. just because you have that abundance mindset doesn't mean that you don't have a strong competitive drive or mm-hmm. um, you know, a desire to like uh, you know, make a lot of money, build successful businesses. Those things are not mutually exclusive. And so um, let's talk a little bit about why do you think this stereotype, this status quo, like why does it exist to begin with? How did we get to the point where Mm um, arguably more people than not, um, still do believe in that scarcity mindset. And those, Mm -hmm. those phrases that you were describing, like, I think they're heard all over the place all of the time across different businesses and teams. So what do you think has led to this being fairly normal and commonplace up to this point?
1: I think it's because it's been, that's the way it's been, um, being that like a lot of people have scar tissue. I know I have, you know, where I have had an experienced loss or experienced what, what people would say is defeat or something like that in business. Right. And I, I will tell you, like I failed, but I failed because of my own, because of my own business, like my decisions led me to failure. Yes. Where other people was my, it was a retail store. So were other stores doing better than I was? Sure. Could I look at it as like, I lost and they won? Sure. So like, when you think about, I think that experience and scar tissue and different ways of being have taught us to be more constraint focused and, um, you know, tighter and protective and, um, you know, it's like when you resist something, you almost need to just like bring it closer to you and hug it, you know? And, and it's easy to say much more difficult to do. I'll give you one example. So in our coursework that we've created, it is a free course. And most it's interesting. Cause like there are lots of types of boot camps, There are lots of sales training, um, they're like trainers and things. And also there's a ton of recruiters and there's lots of different hiring um, methodologies and different. So literally thousands of people could be our competitors. Like I could literally say all of them are competing with us because we're a little bit of all of that. Or I could say, I'm not competing with any of them. We're going to do it a little differently. And so where there is in a lot of different businesses, some, some, gating in order to get to content. We're not. Mm -hmm. It's people, you know, it's not gated. It's available to everybody who wants to take this coursework and learn and that we're not asking them for money. We're not asking them for that. And and that is one decision that (laughs) my natural way of being right away was like, (gasps) We're gonna let everybody see this and, and and it's available to everybody. And they may not even finish. So we might not be able to do anything with that individual or get them hired, but it's just out there. And that's the type of thing where we're leaning into that and saying it's out there. In fact, what more can we give? What more, what trainings can we do that we can open up to more people? Because with this mindset that the more that we're giving. And the more that we're allowing people to get better through something that we're providing, we're betting on that that's going to be good for our business long-term.
0: Yeah. And I believe that it will. I think even at, at our current company now, we have a similar philosophy of there are no secrets, right? We, we, we tell you exactly what we do and how we work. And, uh, theoretically someone could just implement our strategies, you know, or you could hire us and we can, we can help you do it. But the information is, is free, um, and, and available to all. It's interesting though, if you look back to like, why, why we might have gotten to this point, if you think like pre-internet, right. It's like the, opportunities, I think were a lot more scarce, um, and competition, I think in many ways was, um, a lot more real and, and fierce. And, um, I don't think it was as easy for, um, you know, entrepreneurs to spin up new, new businesses and and new ideas, um, for people to kind of start their own consulting agency or, or things like that. And so, um, I, I feel like, you know, prior to that, like there, those, some of those constraints were real. And then what's Mm -hmm. happened as, as sort of the world has changed a lot of those mindsets haven't. Mm -hmm. Um, and so it's like, it's like, and I think more and more people, I think are starting to like open their eyes, like shift their perspective. Like, I think we are moving in the right direction, but it's just so funny. I think, um, you mentioned like, it's the way things have always been or how things have always been done. It's like, it's fascinating to me just from like a psychological standpoint, how like the environment or the world could materially change, but people bring their past perceptions and their experiences with them. And usually the, there's a bit of a lag in, in those catching up to, to the changes happening around. Cause you can argue now like opportunities are limitless for people that are, are dedicated and willing to do the hard work to, to figure stuff out. So I don't know. I think that that might, that might have some something to contribute to just sort of the, the place that we're in now, which is, I think more and more people trying to, to, to wake up and sort of embrace that abundance mindset and really live that. Um, and people just kind of hanging on to the past and like the old way of doing things and the constraints that used to exist that I just don't really think exist anymore. Yeah.
1: And this idea that if you have that mindset that you are not, um, like (laughs) that you're not a high performer. So I think there is like this other thing going on where it's like, oh, if you actually believe that there's enough and we can all, that there's enough to go around and that we can actually work together in a way that says like, this is my sweet spot. And, um, Actually, this this is um, Amy Volus' sweet spot. And we're not, there's enough there that we don't compete and we love to give each other business. We love to work together. We love to do that in a way that makes good sense. And probably there's enough differentiation in most businesses that we can say, like, I'm gonna be able, and this is right up your alley, to serve my customer and my client the best if they are right in that sweet spot. Mm -hmm. I can do some outskirts, right? Right. And it, like, the bullseye is right there. And then, yeah. then I'm going to go out a little bit more and it's going to be a little, little less sweet spotty. Right. <laughs> so and the further I go out, probably the customer experience suffers. So if I've got mm-hmm. some people that are their sweet spot is on that outskirts of mine and we actually understand each other pretty well about what we do well, and we can lean into that and say like, I'm actually this, this is not exactly where I want to be. And I don't serve my clients best if we're not right here. So let me introduce you to who you're right in the zone and lean into that more and reciprocate more. And that doesn't mean that I am not a hard charging, high performing, want to do well, make money and have a great Um, time while doing it person and I feel really good about that you know so I feel like those are ways right that we can do that rather than saying let me try to like square peg peg round hole a little bit this because I have to have it I have to have all of it and if Mm -hmm. I don't get even if it's not that great and it's not that great of a fit I'm gonna force it and my everybody else is gonna feel that too
0: right oh yeah for that. I this feel is like you perf- have so much to say. Yeah. <laughs> no, that. That's this, your zone, man. For that. It's so true. And it's a perfect segue into sort of okay, this this exists. Um, and what are what are things that people can do about it, that businesses can do about it? How should you know, what is sort of our perspective on how society should be rethinking this? And I, I think that you bring up a great point. Like this is such a, a a fairly simple and tactical thing that anybody can do like and especially now like everyone is so well connected and everyone is um you know on on a different mission to take their sort of their passion their area of expertise um and and add value to the community um and you're right like everyone uh, every it's differentiated. Not everyone is doing the same thing, even if you play in the same industry. And even yes. if you, even yes. if you are actually trying to drive similar outcomes, um, and especially now it's so much about, especially with like my customer success background, I'm just yes. such a huge believer in sort of fit. Like it's not about sales and is not about me convincing you that you have to buy my product or service. Like in my opinion, it should be an evaluation if that partnership is going to be a good fit with that, with that vendor, with that service provider, with that product and, and the customer, whomever that is, the business, the individual. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the same applies to to something like this, right? It's like if you actually want to build a successful business, you know, every every potential customer is not a good customer, right? You really need to zero in on what that ideal customer is for you. And the reality is is a customer that's not ideal for you might be ideal for a semi-competitor or maybe just a fellow sort of colleague in the space. And I think I'm a big believer in karma too. Like the more Mm -hmm. good you put out into the universe, the more that you help others. I feel like when you actually need help, that comes your way in one form or another when you really need it. Mm -hmm. What are some other um, tactics, solutions. Um, you know, you guys are doing a ton of great work at Aspireship that I think really embodies the rejection of this and really embracing more of that abundance mindset. But, um, for the people listening, like, what are some additional things that people should be thinking about that, that they can do personally to, to continue to influence this change?
1: you know, one of the, I'll give you a great example. One of the ways that I think it's important is by knowing who are, who are the other players that are around you that are dancing around you. Like, can you create relationships with them? That make sense. And for whatever reason, (laughs) there's like this idea that, that, um, we have to put on this front and be like aggressive about certain things. And, um, and, and, um, you know, stealthfully like Following or not following? Are you watching? Am I watching? You know, what's going on (laughs) with this competitor? It's just like, I would rather be like, hey, let's talk about where we're different and let's see if there's any way that we understand each other. The other day, I had a candidate. She came to me and she said, Christine, your stuff is on demand. I'm really struggling with it. I am having a very hard time. I need like um, other people to talk to about this. And I said, you know what? Here's the thing I get that. I get that, but that's not us. Ours is on demand. And -hmm. right now I don't have a way to help you through that. Other than I can point you to a couple communities. I can point you to a couple of people who are also taking the coursework if they are okay with that, but really you might need to work with a bootcamp that kind of environment that has a cohort where you're in a class together and you're working together. That might be the learning environment. And I gave her a couple of names and so like here's a couple of people mm-hmm. I'm happy to make introductions to you, uh to these individuals it because we have good relationships with other people that are sle- that are in our space ish like I said because we are kind of a mishmash you know of training enablement preparedness boot campish meets recruiting in some weird way we've got thousands of people that you could probably say you kind of compete there mm-hmm. but if we can um do a little bit more of a dance together to say like, here, I actually don't want to square peg round hole you. And as a candidate, I don't want that for you either, if this doesn't feel good. Mm-hmm. So I think it comes to the, where we have to go, okay, I'm fighting with this person. We're fighting in market. We're you know, exchanging snarky comments or our people are, and we need to stop. And we need to say, what can we do? How can we understand each other a little bit better and just come, just each of us take a few steps forward and just figure out where we're different enough so that if it doesn't work, I can say, oh, I have a trouble. I have a a client that we're having trouble with. And this is why it's because Mm -hmm. it's not working. Let me see if I can help you get to a place where that will better serve you. And I'm gonna introduce you here, not pushing a problem client over, but really understanding that this is better for them.
0: Yep. I think like a lot of humility and vulnerability really comes into play here too because I think sort of like the what I was thinking of as you were describing that especially if you're like head-to-head with a competitor almost like the posturing and like I'm the best and I'm you know not gonna like show them my weakness or this and that and Mm -hmm. I actually think there's a lot of power in in expressing vulnerability and in being humble and coming to a competitor with an open mind and a willingness to learn like not no one has it all Figured out none of us, right? And it, you know, I've had situations where I haven't shied away from that. It's like, hey, why don't we, you know, clearly we probably have a lot of the same challenges and are dealing with a lot of the same problems. Like Mm -hmm. maybe we should talk about them together and we can, we can benefit. From that. And I think, um, you know, being the one that potentially is willing to start that type of a conversation and be the one that goes first um, to, you know, any competitor, quasi competitor that exists, um, I actually think it could be a huge learning opportunity. And I think when people realize that, like, you're not like giving away your trade secrets or your secret sauce or anything like that, and, and actually a lot of positive things could come out of a conversation with your competitor about shared challenges. Right. um, Like that could be a way to like show people like nothing terrible happens. Like you're not going to go out of business. They're not going to steal your customers. And in fact, you might actually learn something that accelerates the growth of your business. So I feel like anybody could do that and those that are willing to have the courage to go first, I think can help. I think just lead by example Mm -hmm. in showing that like the upside here is way better than any downside that could exist.
1: Well, and I also think about, you know, we've all seen probably on LinkedIn and other places where you've got one leader calling out another leader or some different things, or they're, you know, it's, it feels so uncomfortable for everyone else that's watching it. And also it does feel like I'm watching Braveheart or something, you know, where I'm like, <laughs> you know, and I, you know, I just want to be like, can we all just sit down and talk about this? Like, is there a way for us to do this? And for whatever reason, we have this notion that in business that's weak yeah. and that we're only able to um, like get to resolution in this really conflicted type of situation where, again, somebody's got to get, you know, got to get pounded on or has to give up a whole bunch of things. And it's like, we have this idea that everything is just one way or th- like there's only two ways that this outcome is going to go. And it's like, there are, there are just thousands of ways that we can make this work. And, and it doesn't, it's not, you know, it's like a, an issue when you have a, an employee that's not happy or things, it's like they stay or they go. Actually, there's so many ways that we can solve this problem called somebody's frustrated with their role and the company is also frustrated with this individual in this role. It doesn't mean that it's they're staying or they're going. And they're saying and this, there's a million different ways to fix that problem, but we tend to go one way or the other. And I don't know why we're doing that when there's like, let's just sit down and explore all the ways that this could possibly happen. Let's just open our mind so there's different possibilities here where, where we can all say, I feel really good about this. Like I'll give up here, but we can do this here. And why would that, why has that been considered weak?
0: I don't get it. And I think um, I think a root cause of this is people um, don't like to feel uncomfortable. And I think people will people's behavior will reflect doing whatever it is that sort of reduces confrontation, reduces Mm -hmm. like being in a in an uncomfortable situation. Yeah, they would rather um, you know, quote unquote, show strength by being like putting others down or having ultimatums instead of, you know, I always say there's always a win-win option. It's typically though, the one that takes the most work and the hardest mm-hmm. to create because yeah. if win-wins were easy, we would see them a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of people would rather just, Take the win lose route because it's easy or it's comfortable or they don't have to have that confrontation or have that conversation with the employee and try to explore what other options would make sense um, or put in the effort and the work to figure out a creative solution that maybe hasn't been thought of before. That's what I think a lot of it comes back to like mm-hmm. the human human behavior it's fascinating to me how people shy away from that and i think mm-hmm. in my career like i i've been in customer success. I've been in people management for a long time. And I think the one common thread throughout that is like, I have had hundreds of uncomfortable conversations in my life, maybe even thousands, right. Whether it's about giving people feedback or performance reviews, um, whether it's having to break up with a customer or deal with an unhappy customer, like, um, or reset expectations, um, you know, or, uh, you know, tell someone they're not ready for a promotion, like whatever it is. And, and what I believe is like, if, if you can get comfortable having those types of conversations with people, it really unlocks so much more. And once you power through that uncomfortable moment, you also realize that wasn't that bad. Like, and actually I got to a way better outcome because I wasn't afraid to confront that topic, to have that hard conversation, whatever it is. So Mm. I don't know. I think, I I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I think that that has something to do with it.
1: I do. I mean, One of the things that I often tell my team is, you know, I am more frequently than not, not the smartest person in the room, but what I can be committed to is being the best communicator in the room. So, and when you are the best communicator, people want you in the room because you're helping everybody get to a better place. Mm -hmm. And so I think the point that you're making is so important in that, this takes time. This takes intentionality. It also takes being an expert communicator and working through it and saying, actually, I need you to stick with me. I know you're really pissed right now, <laughs> but stay with me on this. Let's work through it. One of the most powerful conversations I had with one of my team members, he was screaming and just furious. I mean, and, and, um, somebody was in the next room, uh, one of my colleagues. And he's like, how dare, I can't believe you let him talk to you like that. That is, I would have bubbled. And I'm like, here's the thing we had to get, we had to get to some stuff. And at the end of that, I did draw a boundary and say, I'm going to, we got through it. It took us two hours to get through this. And at the end of it, I said, and also for future, I don't want to be yelled at by you ever again. And we were able to get through it to the other side. And also I can still hold a boundary. Said that said, um, that felt really disrespectful and it was, it's okay that we worked through it, but I don't ever want to have that happen again. And, and it's, you know, and all of these things are okay. Like we're just working through them. Could I have said you yelling at me is a hard no and you're fired. Sure sure. Was that the best outcome to that circumstance in that situation? No, he was a very, very valuable member of the team yeah. that I wanted there. And that, you know, they're all, and you know what it was? His scar tissue, his stuff that he had back. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah, stories. as a
0: leader, you have to find, you have to be able to hold space for other people. That's um, so t-
1: Oh my gosh. We are, I feel you are so right on. And I feel like we are so in sync on some of this stuff that it is that, like just
0: so important. It really is. Yeah. And it's to your point, like it actually had nothing to do with you the emotion that was coming out and you were able to recognize that you were able to give him the space he needed because he was clearly in a heated moment and everyone, everyone has those moments, right? None of us are perfect. Right. Um, And then you clarified at the end. So you're not going to, like you said, like that was amazing, like amazing boundary setting there, but that's leadership, right? It's like, you know, people, people have flaws. They're not perfect. And like being willing to like create space, give them an opportunity to, to have a breakthrough and learn from that and be better as a result, I think is one of the most powerful forms of leadership. Um, oh my gosh, we could just keep talking. I, <laughs> I like, know. I like my last two questions though, cause they're kind of fun. So okay, let's, okay. um, let's get into this. So I like to do a future cast. So 10 years from now, mm-hmm. I guess, 2031. Okay. Hopefully the pandemic is over. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, what, what else do you hope is true? Especially as it relates to everything we've been talking about,
1: you know, um, I, I I love the idea of having so many more thoughtful conversations at the executive table with other, like the, in the spirit of the same vein that we were talking about, that we could see where different industries and different leaders and different tables are, we are sharing in a way that makes us all better. And we don't have um, as much bullshit between us so we I hope that in the next 10 years we work through this buffer of bullshit to get to a place where pretty quickly we can all come in a room it doesn't depend on you know industry or different things like that that we can come to a room and say like what are you learning what are you learning how are you how are you being because really in this one of my favorite people in the world, Chalmers Brothers, he always says we're human becomings. Like if we can be coming better, we're becoming better together in business. My gosh, that would be amazing. Like that's what I'm yearning for, that everybody that's in our spaces, we're all being better for having been there together in a place that we call work. Like that is what I would love to see.
0: I love that. Yeah. And it's like, goes back to your thesis at like, it, it abundance mentality win-win like we can we can all work together to get better together Mm -hmm. I love that we talked about a lot of different things I think a lot of good tactical takeaways but if uh, everyone listening could only take away one major thing from this conversation what would it be I
1: think you have to be a better observer of yourself in order to start making this change and um when i notice that i am getting fearful i have to almost picture myself above myself looking down going girl what is going on why are you why are you tightening up why are you panicking about something and i think the work that i've done in the last few years to notice my um to notice my body, to notice when I'm getting hot, to notice when I'm getting nervous, to notice why I'm feeling charged about a topic and say, (laughs) oh, in the moment, like this happened yesterday, in the moment, I'm feeling a little charged around this. I'm not sure why. I'm gonna come back to you on it. And being able to say, like, I hope that soon I can get to where I go. Oh, I'm charged. Why am I charged? And quickly be able to do it, right? And figure it out right in the moment. But I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> so being able to notice myself and say, hey, Corey, I feel a little charged around that topic. I want to come back to it, um, but it's not right now. And being able to do that and then be, be better at coming back and saying, I figured it out. And so I think that if we can do that and be better observers of who we are, that's how we start to change this. When we notice tightening and constraint and fear that we go, ooh, I got to look at that and figure out why. Because if I want to be and create a possibility like that fear and like tightness doesn't work in that zone it doesn't so that's what i would say it's really work i'm looking at yourself
0: for that you and i really are in sync because i say that self-awareness is one of the most important superpowers oh you can cultivate and i think um another quote that i love is um like create space between stimulus and your response so that you can not react (sighs) Mm -hmm. to a situation, Mm -hmm. but actually respond accordingly. And to your point, you get riled up about something, There's a reason for it yeah. (laughs) and and, uh, uh, uncovering that and identifying that can be really powerful in your own personal development, your own personal growth and evolution. This was such a great conversation, Christine. I'm so glad we met. I'm so glad we did this episode together. Um, Where can people find you if they want to learn more about you or the great work you guys are doing at Aspireship?
1: Um, Well, you can always come to Aspireship.com. So you can absolutely check out what we're doing there. I'm all over LinkedIn. That's where Megan and I got to know each other. So (laughs) I hope that you will um, connect with me there. I love um, interesting dialogue and love to be engaged with people. So that's a lot of fun. Also for those people that are interested in getting into selling or doing selling, anything like that, you can come um, to Thursday night sales. That is one of the communities that we're a big part of. That is lovely. So it's every Thursday evening. It's just a happy hour, but I'll tell you, it has just been really powerful and the community has been wonderful. And I always have just a great time doing that too. I love to have fun. I love to have fun. (laughs) So any chance that we could have to have a good time
0: together, I'm in. And Amy and Scott are awesome leaders in the space too. I hear amazing things about that community. Yes. Well, thanks again, Christine. This was awesome. And I look forward to coming up with an excuse uh, for us to talk again soon.